Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Old Testament. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And then we're going to end up in Psalm 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 is where we're going to begin. We've been working on memorizing some verses out of Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. 10a, actually. Next Sunday, we're going to start with 10b and work our way through verse 11, and then we'll put it all together, all right? I trust that this has been a blessing to you and an encouragement to you, and I trust that you have identified how God is working in your life so that you can abound more and more, so you can be discerning, and so you can approve what is excellent. That's what God wants for our lives, so that we can be the kind of people that live out the life of His Son, Jesus Christ, in a lost and dying world. Let's quote these verses. Let's read them together. Let's say them. We'll start with the reference, Philippians 1, 9, and 10, and then we'll read quote the verses, and then we will finish with the reference. Here we go. Philippians 1, 9, and 10. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. Philippians 1, 9, and 10. That's growing together. That's understanding that God has something special for us. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, here they are. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Now, this is a familiar passage of Scripture, and I'm only going to use it as an introduction this morning. An introduction to remind us that in life there are seasons. And that's what the writer of a Ecclesiastes tells us, Solomon recognizes that to everything there is a season. Starting with verse 1, you follow along in your copy of the Scriptures, please. For everything there is a season, a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate a time for war, and a time for peace. Now, if you're into biblical numbers, there are 14 contrasts that are there, 28 in total. And someone has said, as you take that 28, you divide it by the number 4, which is the world, and you times it by the number of perfection, which is 7, that gives you 28. The reality is there are seasons in our lives. Life is seasonal. Life has its ups and downs. We struggle and then we don't struggle. We worry and then we see it all worked out. We're challenged and then all of a sudden God changes something in our lives. Warren Wiersbe in his book, Be Satisfied, says this. You don't have to be a philosopher or a scientist to know that Times and seasons are a regular part of life. No matter where you live, 
were it not for the dependability of God-ordained natural laws, both science and daily life would be chaotic, if not impossible. Not only are there times and seasons in this world, but there is also an overruling providence in our lives. From before our birth to the moment of our death, God is accomplishing his divine purposes, even though we may not always understand what he is doing. There is a time, there is a season. Now turn back to the first psalm, will you please? Psalm 1. Just as Ecclesiastes says that life is seasonal, I want you to know that spiritual growth is also seasonal. There are times in our lives when we just seem to be on top of our spirituality and we seem to be growing in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And then there are other times in our lives that there seems to be a desert there. There seems to be a wasteland. There seems to be a struggle. Spiritual growth is seasonal. But yet we can be assured that God has a purpose for our lives. And that's what the psalmist tells us in Psalm 1. Again, a very familiar passage of Scripture. Follow along as I read this psalm for you this morning. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree. Planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. As we think about growth in our lives... We must understand that there are gains that God has given to us, and it's identified in the first psalm as being a blessed man, a satisfied individual, one that understands that God is in control and we can trust his faithfulness for everything in our lives. You know, we are a blessed people. And we can be thankful that God has allowed us to experience his blessing oh the happiness of the man oh the satisfaction of the man oh the reward of the man in the beatitudes found in matthew's gospel chapter 5 jesus contrasted the word world's values and spiritual values he said blessed are the poor in spirit For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Of heaven, You know, there is real blessing by, being, by living in a place where God is satisfied with us. I want you to know that as we understand something about the blessed man, 
we can recognize that there is a gain from being godly. You never have to worry if you're godly. You never have to be ashamed if you're godly. You never have to give apology if you're godly. And in our lives, God has designed us so that we can be the kind of people he wants us to to be because he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Amen? He's given to us his spirit to indwell us. He's given to us his word to guide us. He's given to us prayer so that we can cast our care upon him because he cares for us. There is real gain from growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Last week I made this statement, it's too bad that youth is wasted on the young. Boy, I wish I would have known then what I know now. Huh? But we don't have that option. What we do have is the privilege of continuing to be challenged and changed and conformed to the character of Christ. What we do have is the opportunity to grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What we do have is the focus to grow up in Him who is the head of all things. And blessed is the individual, the child of God, who does just that you want to be blessed by God you be in a place of God's blessing and it is his word that is a lamp unto our feet and a light into our paths it is his word that if we would hide it in our hearts we would not sin against him it is his word that allows us to be cleansed from all ungodliness there are gains from growing blessed is the man. Now what does the psalmist tell us about that blessed man? He tells us that that blessed man has a response to danger. Notice verse 2 or verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the, un, of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Did you know the progression here? Did you notice that? Blessed is the man who walks not, the man who sits not, right? Help me out here. The man who stands not, the man who sits not. Now, let's think about this for a minute. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. The word wicked there has the idea of someone who is occasionally unrighteous. Someone who is influenced by the world. May I challenge you this morning to be careful where you get your counsel? We all need counsel. We all need help. We all need advice. Be careful where you get your counsel. Make sure that you are getting your counsel from a scriptural principle. Because it is the word of God that is the foundation for our life. Make sure that you are getting your counsel from someone who has sensible practice. Look at your counselor's eyes and see how they're doing. Make sure that you are getting your counsel from someone who has your best interest at heart in that they encourage you to be more like Jesus Christ. That's our best interest. Blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. 
Blessed is the man who does not stand in the way of sinners. The word sinners here has the idea of someone who is habitually wicked. We need to say no to the advice of those who are not living out biblical standards in their lives. We need to make sure that we are standing up for Jesus and not sitting down with the devil. We need to make sure that we are sounding, from, sounding the battle cry and not crying at the sound of battle. It is so easy to stand in the way of sinners because that is the popular place to be. And yet blessed is the man who recognizes this danger. Nor sits in the seat of the scorners. Scorners are those who are arrogant mockers of God. People who make fun of God and his truth. Paul wrote to the believers in Corinth, Be not deceived, bad company ruins good morals. Birds of a feather, you've heard it, right? Uh Uh-huh, yeah. And so many times, we sit in the seat of those who would mock the word of God. Be careful what you put in your mind. What does Scripture say? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And yet, how much do we allow our minds to be exposed to that which is simply a mockery of God? Be careful. But not only does he recognize danger, he also understands that there is a reaction of delight. Verse 2, but his delight, instead on the contrary, but he takes pleasure in, he finds joy in, what? His delight, he finds joy in the law of the Lord, and in this law he meditates day and night. His delight, his joy, his satisfaction, the blessed man understands that there's dangers But the blessed man understands that there is delight. Delight in the law of the Lord. I was talking with a friend of mine not too long ago. And he was telling me how much he enjoys reading his Bible. I want you to know that was an encouragement to me. He said, I can't wait to open this book. And see what God has for me. That's delight. You see, this book ought to be a delight, not a drudgery. This book ought to be an encouragement. This book ought to help us get through the stuff in our lives. And yet the sad thing, reality is, Many times we don't take enough time for this book, do we? I may have shared with you that I am doing my quiet time electronically this year. It's on my iPad. It's great because I take my iPad most of the places I go. And I don't have to take this thick book with me when I 
go on vacation or go visit our kids or whatever it is. So I have it right there on my iPad. One of the neat things about quiet time electronically is it will read to you. You push today and you push the speaker and all of a sudden the scripture is read to me. I like that. Now the thing that convicted me was this. There's a little timer that tells me how long it's going to take to read this passage of Scripture. This morning, a minute 58 seconds. I thought, that ain't much. Now, I love the quiet time. I read the expanded commentary, and then I answer two questions. What is the writer saying, and how does this apply to my life? I love the quiet time. But I have nothing to boast in to say I got up and did my quiet time this morning because it was a minute 58 seconds in the Word. Now, I did the daily crouton on top of that. Some of you know that as the daily bread. It's really only a crouton. It's a big deal. So what did I spend? Five minutes? In the Word? How did that impact my life? I spent more time than that putting ketchup on my egg dish this morning and eating it. Right? But His delight, His delight is in the law of the Lord. The blessed man is concerned what God has to say to him. The blessed man wants to hear from God. The blessed man recognizes that God has truth for his life. The blessed man knows that it is important that God speak to him. And when God speaks, we ought to listen, right? That's the blessed man who looks forward to hearing what a sovereign, holy, heavenly Father has to say to him. How much time do we spend in what is temporary? John said this, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For what's in the world? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. And then he says this, And the world passes away. But he that does the will of the Father abides forever. How much time do we spend with temporary stuff? But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And what's he do with it? He meditates it day and night. Now I only spent a a minute and 58 seconds this morning in the Word, but I've been thinking about it. It was a penitent psalm of David as David recognized how great his God was. That's something to think about. That's something to take with you. That's something to meditate on and to recognize. You see, the blessed man has more than just a casual 
acknowledgement of God's word. It's his delight, and he meditates on it day and night. Well, what are the opportunities for growth? Opportunities for growth. He shall be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. He shall be like a tree. Five years ago when we moved to Battle Creek, we moved into a house that had absolutely no trees on the property. Have almost three acres, no trees. Easy to mow. So we planted trees. We planted some Norway pines. We planted sixteen of them, kind of as a windbreak. Thirteen lived. But they're not up here. And we planted one maple tree in our front yard. Its leaves are changing already. I told you that this past summer I planted another tree. There was a, a tree that was growing underneath my deck, and I didn't think that would last very long, so I uprooted him and I planted him. Stuck him in the ground. And you know what happened? All the green leaves that he had fell off. The bark turned brown. But you know what I noticed? After I drowned it again, it's starting to get some new leaves. And it's, it, it, it's going to make it, folks. Y'all come out and see this tree in five years, all right? He shall be like a tree. A tree planted by the rivers of water. Trees are good things. Trees are a sign of life. Trees are a recognition of that growth is taking place. Tree, trees show us that there can be development. Trees shall be like a tree. And what happens? It brings forth its fruit in its season. You're seasonal. What kind of tree are you? I want to be a buckeye. You know what a buck, thank you, Laura. You know what a buckeye is. It's a worthless nut with no earthly value. I want to be a buckeye. You ever seen a buckeye tree? They're strong trees. You ever see a wolverine tree? <laughs> or a Spartan tree? Or an Irish tree? I'll be a buckeye tree. Brings forth its fruit in its season. Right? 
That's pretty good. Fruit. For the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, faith against what? I want fruit in my life. Jesus said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. I want fruit in my life. I don't want to live a life that doesn't matter. How about you? I don't want to live a life that leaves nothing. How about you? I don't want a, a life that just is existence. I want fruit. And the scripture says, if I'm a blessed man, understand the dangers and delight, I'm going to be like that tree. And its leaf does not wither. It must be an evergreen. And whatever it does shall prosper. Wow. Full and fulfilled life. Joshua 1.8 says this. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. But you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do all that is according to and was written therein. And then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. Fulfilled. I want to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. But the psalmist goes on and said the wicked aren't like that. Did you notice? The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. The wicked are not planted like the righteous. The wicked are not producing fruit like the righteous. The the wicked are not prospering like the righteous. The evil are not like this, not at all like this. They're worthless, chaff, external husks, just an outer covering, useless in the long run. Sometimes I get discouraged. And may I be transparent with you? Sometimes I get a little upset. Because the wicked seem to be making it more than the righteous. You ever feel that way? And what can the righteous do? Let me tell you something. God says the righteous are a whole lot better off than the wicked. Just an external lifestyle that really has no inward value. That's the wicked. No matter what publicity they get, no matter what promotion they get, no no matter who builds them, that's the wicked. They're non-producing chaff. And what will that bring, therefore? Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. The phrase there indicates that they have no standing at the judgment. Oh, they'll stand at the judgment. They'll be there but they'll have no standing. They'll have no excuse, no place to go, no way to hide, no opportunity for them to offer anything but what they are, chaff. Sinners will not stand in the congregation of the righteous. 
of verse 6. Here it is. But he knows. Amen? But the Lord knows. And what does he know? He knows the way of the righteous. Let me encourage you this morning. Scripture says he knows the way that you take. Now, if you're looking up that verse, you will find it in Job 23. And in Job 23, Job is a dejected man. He's been spending weeks with his three encouraging friends. Before that, he lost all that he had. His family, his possessions, even his wife, for the good of himself, said, Job, this isn't a quality lifestyle. Just just curse God and die. Just, Just get it over with, Job. Now, in chapter 23, Job starts to examine his life. And he starts looking for God. He can't find him. God, where did you, you ever feel that way? God, where'd you go? He looks up. God doesn't seem to be there. He looks down. God doesn't seem to be there. He looks around. God can't be found. But then he says this, even when I can't find God, God knows where I am because he knows the way that I take. And when I will be proved, I will be brought forth as gold. Amen. Doesn't that excite you? No matter what's going on in your life, God knows exactly what's taking place. Blessed. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the woman. Blessed is the child of God. God understands. That ought to make us jump up and down and yell hallelujah. I thought I'd make a suggestion. Therefore, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. I'm glad God knows what he knows. The word knows has the idea of watching over. And it also has the idea of cherishing. God cherishes the way that I take. Think about that for a while. But the way of the wicked shall perish. Yep. When it's all said and done, the Lord knows who are his. I can live with that. How about you? I can trust that. How about you? Blessed is the man. Seasonal in our lives. Ups and downs. To everything there is a season. I know where you are. I know what's going on. But may I encourage you this morning by helping you remember that God knows where you are and knows exactly what you need in your life. And you can be blessed. There's dangers out there. Walking, sitting, standing. There's dangers out there. But there's delight. And he knows. He knows the way of the righteous. But the contrast is the way of the wicked is doomed. (laughs) The way of the wicked shall perish. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word.
for this time of worship that we've been able to have together as we have shared together in opening up your truth book. Guide us, direct us, Lord. Help us to be blessed people. We are blessed. But help us, Father, to be in a place of your blessing. And Father, we'll give you praise for all that you're going to accomplish in Jesus' name.